Did Jesus really rise from the dead? If so, this changes everything, and we should follow him. If not, Christianity is entirely in vain, as Paul said. What evidence do we have that he really did raise from the dead? Let's take a look. Hey, I'm Bailey. Hey, I'm Michael. Hey, I'm David. And today on Facing the Gates, we're, we got a, the first part of a two-part episode on the resurrection, going through the evidence for the resurrection and uh, evaluating historically whether or not um, it is plausible to believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, so before we get into that, uh, as a... Um, I guess a, a base question. I was going to ask you guys, what do you believe happened with the resurrection? I'm going to predict what Michael was going to say. Go ahead predict. You you're, don't you're going to say something along the lines of, I'm agnostic, I don't know, bro. You're, you're just going to say it in like a two-minute long way, though. No, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm undecided. I'm still figuring out all the facts and everything. That's what agnostic is. Yeah, so. but I was okay. going to say but, it in okay. a nicer way than, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I figured you were going to say something along those lines. David is probably going to say, God isn't real. He didn't raise from the dead because God's not real or something. Or, or well, I, I, mean, I don't know how you would explain Je- it historically. Jesus is a real person. Yeah. Though yeah. the resurrection for me, since if it's happened once in the natural world, it can happen again and without utter like evidence of like stuff something similar happening unless he was somehow still alive after all that torment so you would say that jesus's ops were lacking that day if he really was yeah if he resurrected then yeah he somehow managed to survive those usually fatal wounds i mean people have survived usual fatal wounds yeah well the the thing is and this is probably really what it's gonna boil down to spoiler warning but it's a miracle that it happened essentially and a miracle is by definition a suspension of natural law so if it happened not assuming naturalism then it was a miracle which was a suspension of natural law but under your view it's basically miracles can't happen so therefore it had to have been some natural thing yeah well for i think due to modern semantics the word miracle has grown away from that and more of like a away from the definition i use yeah more into the like oh yeah definitely people overuse it and but for the sake of this conversation yeah so everyone knows that's what i mean when i say miracle it's a suspension of natural law but anyway go ahead uh, that that's really all i was gonna say is that us as a modern culture have kind of grown away and we, we use miracle for any th- minute thing possibility it's like, a miracle oh he threw a hell mary and won the football game <laughs> yeah miracle like, yeah no there was oh the deer a specific chance for that one yeah we do that with a lot of words it, i have to f- fight people on twitter about it sometimes yeah or like oh my house got shot up and i didn't get shot that's a miracle it's close but not quite <laughs> yeah not to be the asshole here all right so before we get into this um the details the details there's different layers um but it's important to mention that this is a cumulative case and it largely depends on the previous episodes in this series in order to be effective so if you're just tuning in i recommend you should go listen to the jesus who was he episode and then go from there um the history of the bible and the reliability of the new testament because this kind of builds off of what i've talked about in those episodes um and before we begin with the actual evidence historically or evaluating the historical claims wanted to address michael's question of how do we know that jesus died by crucifixion so um as mentioned in the episode jesus who was he 
multiple sources, both Christian and non-Christian around that time, claim that Jesus died by crucifixion. But how do we know he was killed? Like Michael said, maybe Jesus survived the crucifixion. So let's look at the process of a Roman crucifixion. And uh, I should go ahead and give a little bit of a disclaimer uh, for anyone who is squeamish. The details of this. It's not pretty. Are very brutal. So if you don't like that, fast forward like not, probably not five, the ten most, minutes. like brutal old school execution methods because there were worse, but it's pretty brutal. Yeah, but it, it is. It's, do it's, some research. It's it, brutal. It gets worse. It's brutal in the sense that like the Old Testament God was brutal. Yeah. Actually, that's a. Mm. I mean, yes, but that makes me think about like other cultures around that time. They were all we'll get, They were way worse. I mean, we'll, we'll get into that when we get into the Old Testament stuff. Yeah. But so think of ISIS level brutality. That's where we're yeah, at. Yeah, in modern day, we're, we're brutal. Yeah, today we're but, like, oh, let's, you know, like today what, we're so soft, but like. Well, Back I mean, then. today we're not necessarily softer. We're just more detached from the brutality that right. is caused. Yeah. yeah, and plus now you just shoot someone in the head and they're dead. Or it's brutal, but not as brutal as chopping their head off and serving it to their kids. Or drones yeah. strike with an Xbox controller. <laughs> All right. So anyway, firstly, crucifixion was a very shameful way to die, and was therefore only used on the worst of criminals. This included, at the time, this included slaves disgraced soldiers, Christians, and political activists. According to the sources at the time, quote, Christ was crucified on the pretext that he had instigated rebellion against Rome on a par with zealots and other political activists, end quote. The process began with scourging when, quote, a person was stripped naked, tied to a post, then flogged across the back, buttocks, and legs by Roman soldiers. This excessive whipping would weaken the victim, causing deep wounding, severe, severe pain, and bleeding. Frequently, the victim fainted during the procedure, and sudden death was not uncommon. Sometimes, the Roman soldiers would hurt the victim further, cutting off a body part, such as the tongue, or blinding him." End quote. Generally, the victim would then have to carry their own cross to the place that they would be hung. Jesus was likely already in critical condition after being flogged because Simon of Cyrene had to carry his cross for him. And considering how much he hated, he was hated by his enemies and the fact that flogging could rip off the skin off the body, I don't doubt he was already close to death. Quote, the next step varied with location. In Jerusalem, women would offer the condemned a pain-relieving drink, usually of wine and myrrh or incense. Then, the victim would be tied or nailed to the patibulum. After that, the patibulum was lifted and affixed to the upright post of the cross, and the feet would be tied or nailed to it. Death didn't always come quickly. It took anywhere from three hours to four days to expire. To investigate crucifixion without actually killing anybody, German soldiers tied volunteers by their wrists to a cross and monitored their respiratory and cardiovascular activity in the 1960s. Within six minutes, the volunteers had trouble breathing, their pulse rates had doubled, and their blood pressure had plummeted. The experiment had to be stopped after about 30 minutes because of wrist pain. Victims of crucifixion could have died by from various causes, including multiple organ failures and respiratory failure, end quote. It was also common to enact a final blow of sorts to ensure the victim had died. Some Roman methods included breaking the knees or impaling with a spear. Breaking the knees would prevent the victim from moving up to get air. Impaling with a spear would pierce the heart. Thousands of people were crucified under the Roman Empire. They knew what they were doing. Not one, not one in history has survived a Roman crucifixion. This should put the rest, the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus survived being crucified. And that is my little presentation for you. I'll let you respond and give your thoughts. To play devil's advocate, no man's strapped to hundreds of thousands of volts pulsing through your flesh in a very efficient way should survive. Should. 
but I'm talking about historically documenting stuff. Dropping. No one has ever survived that. And a woman... historians all agree he died by crucifixion. It's almost unanimous that he was, <laughs> the guy died. A woman dropping from several thousand feet and hitting the ground shouldn't live, but they have. There's always, always the possibility. Okay. Very, yeah. I mean, very slight. Very, I mean, very slim. Gunshot. Well, GSWs, gunshot <clears throat> wounds, <clears throat> specifically to the head and spine. If I shot you in the forehead, it's pretty, pretty well documented that you're pro- 99.999%. You're just dead. All right, let's play devil's advocate and let's say he did survive. For him, three days later, plus plus uh, dodging infections, can't forget that. Yeah. Three days later, he's not going to be in the condition for him to go up to Thomas and be like, "Yo, check out the holes in my hand, lol." Like, he's going to need serious medical help and be in critical condition for a long time after being, quote unquote, surviving crucifixion. He's not going to be going hanging out with people like he did in the gospel accounts. So that causes a problem there if he really didn't die. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe this one say this. I don't stun double. Yeah, bro, you look like I just need one favor. Look, man. I know. I'm just People bring- knew what he looked like. They lived with him. They're not dumb. I don't think he had a twin. No, because then G then God would have had put two people in that belly. Yeah. Alright. Well, Anyway, I, yeah. that that's at least a case for the fact that he's yeah he's most likely he most likely died yeah, because I mean the like initial like the flogging and even like to the point where they <clears throat> nail you up on the cross that that is possible to survive. I mean, people there's like I forget which Asian country people reenact man like people actually get like real ass nails in their hands. Yeah, and they're they're carried. But it's the waiting and the stabby through the chest. I'd say the wedding's the breaking the worst. legs. The wedding's the worst part because infection. That's like, why um, they impaled him with a spear is because uh, he he Jesus actually died before the two criminals beside him died, and they had seen that he was dead, and that's when they impaled him with a spear. Yeah, just, just to be sure. That's that's yeah, that's uh, just to make and sure. Also, just to throw a little more. Mockery. And when you're hanging there, like you you can't move up anyway because of the way you're hanging so you're literally suffocating yourself and that's essentially most likely how you die or drowning in your own fluids but yeah multiple organ failure is the other thing so or blood clots don't forget good yeah, old blood you clots. could bleed out i mean i mean your back's on a wound your back's severely wounded and then you're wood then you're on wood mm-hmm. wood and then you're nailed bleeding more nailed on the wood. which also severs your medial nerve by the way yeah the the nerve that connects your entire arm so that would have snapped and caused extreme pain so anyway yeah well it depends on like where exactly it is as i said it's usually in the wrist where they would do it um but the the medial nerve separates down at the hand but it it, there's one big long nerve that goes down your arm and it would where they would nail it, it would snap that, and that would recoil inside your arm. Yeah. Which would cause extreme pain, because uh, I don't know if you have you can imagine a nerve recoiling into your arm, but that would be nice. I mean, there, there's a nerve that runs from, I think, around your kneecaps up to your uh, your special regions, oh, and good. if you get kicked, kicked along the nerve in your leg, it'll be like getting kicked in the nuts or... Mm. For all you uh, female viewers, a taco. Nice. <laughs> it's the nicest way I could think of it. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Also, if you ever kick someone in the gook chart enough, they might poop themselves. Okay. I'm not going to ask how you know that. Yeah, fun facts with Michael. All right. Now, on to the question of the resurrection. Um, this is going to be kind of like a forensic case study using historical evidence to determine what happened to Jesus after he was crucified. Now, I do want to go ahead and give full a full stop disclosure. Um, the information I've collected for these episodes, uh, both this one and the next one, part two, are based upon, yet again, 
inspiring philosophy's work, this time on his excellent research video titled The Resurrection of Jesus, The Historical Evidence, as well as a few points from Tim Keller's sermon, What Happened When Jesus Died, an Open Forum. Both of these will be listed in the sources for this episode, as well as the source I used for the information on the Roman crucifixion. Now, most scholars agree upon two facts about Jesus. Number one, he was crucified just outside of Jerusalem. And number two, he was buried in a nearby tomb. Now, there are four main theories that um, are used to explain the resurrection. Number one is the mythic theory. That Jesus didn't exist at, all, exist at all, and everything about him was made up at a later point in time in history. Number two is the conspiracy theory, that the disciples consciously lied and made up the story of Jesus rising from the dead. Number three is the hallucination theory, that the disciples all hallucinated Jesus' post-mortem reappearances. And then number four is the actual resurrection theory, that Jesus was the Son of God and actually rose from the dead. Now, the first two of these theories I began chipping away at in the previous episodes, but I will give them a fair shot. Um, so we're going to look at each of the claims individually and see which theory makes sense and best explains the evidence. Uh, so do you have any comments before we go into the uh, first claim? I have no serious comments. Okay. What about you, David? Uh, the, the, the myth... Mystic theory? Mythic theory. Mythic theory. You're probably not going to side on that one. No, because, I mean, there's documented evidence of him existing. Or at yeah. least someone learned a name existing. Good. I'm glad you guys are at least not that low. But I, but lizard people. No, also, crap, I... people, crap, people, crap, people. Go ahead, Mike, David, whatever no, you're going to say. Also, I'm it's surprised there's not, like, saying. a grave-robbing theory or, like, just... Grabbing something from a tomb and chuck him in a mass grave. Well, that would be part of the conspiracy theory. We will get into that. That is a thing that people say. We'll get into that when we get there. Um, but anyway, let's let's start with the first claim. Um, after Jesus died, his disciples said that he appeared to them alive. This is attested in Paul's epistles, all four of the Gospels, the Book of Acts, and the Jewish historian Josephus. See Jesus, who was he, or can we trust the New Testament for more on Josephus? The scholarly consensus agrees that this is what the disciples claimed. The question is, should we trust them? And I'm going to plug another episode. See, is the New Testament reliable? Uh, for To answer that question. Now, here's the thing. Claims tend to be a little bit less trustworthy if they were made about an unfamiliar person, if they were expected, or if they happen quickly. And I kind of gave this example last time, or in one of the recent episodes about like a bank robbery um you know if you are a witness to a bank robbery um you say there's four witnesses to a bank robbery one's in the car one's in the actual bank one's in line one's walking into the bank you're going to be seeing it from different perspectives so you will have a different account but the thing is generally speaking you don't know who the robber is you things happen quickly and it's not expected. You're not going to go to the bank expecting a bank robbery to happen, usually. Um, so a test uh, testimony from these people, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because these are things that can contribute to them not remembering the details as clearly or whatever. Yeah, stress changes your perceptions. I mean, hell, even Reddit fucked up look, the uh, Boston Bomber like a couple times. <laughs> And they had time to think about it. Yeah. But in the case of the resurrection, the disciples knew each other and Jesus. They weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. More on that later. And the events of the crucifixion and resurrection occurred over multiple days, which isn't very quickly. These claims were preserved by the early church fathers. So let's go look at the four various theories and see how they account for this. The mythic theory just claims that it never happened, so it doesn't account for the evidence at all because it doesn't interact with the evidence at all, and it flies in the face of the scholarly consensus. The burden of proof is on the proponent of the mythic theory to prove that this piece of evidence is made up, which there is no evidence for. 
if we look at the hallucination theory, this theory has a very detrimental problem. Group hallucinations are extremely rare, and when they do happen, no two people report experiencing the exact same thing. No two people have ever experienced the exact same hallucination. This has never been documented. Those who claim to witness the resurrected Jesus when he appeared to over 500 all claim to have seen the exact same thing at the same time. Also, hallucinations involving multiple senses are extremely rare. Those who Jesus appeared to uh, claim to have seen, touched, listened to, and spoken with him. For both of these two rare things to be happening at once would be such an improbable scenario, it would be practically miraculous. Then we look at the conspiracy theory. It is unlikely that the disciples were able to create a conspiracy with over 500 people, many of which were killed for their beliefs. Though it does happen, generally on a smaller scale, with cults. So this is technically possible, though highly unlikely. And then the resurrection theory does account for this evidence because the Gospels report that Jesus appeared to people after he rose again. And I'll let you guys give your thoughts, and then we'll move on to the next claim, if you have thoughts. I'm just processing everything. Okay, cool. You know, I'm like old dual-core processor in this quad-core world. I've got hyper threads. I just have to. All right, David, what are your thoughts? I'm just going to have to cut yeah. Michael off because he's going to say dumb bullshit if I let I him keep talking. Ma mainly, like, against the first one. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty stupid. No, I could understand, like, a little bit kind of mixing between, like, say, like, a conspiracy theory and maybe some slight hallucination theory because, I mean, that immense amount of stress does weird things to the body. But since I wasn't there, can't really, like, claim either one and who's to say like the idea of the resurrection wasn't also something more like spiritual because I mean, in that well, sense the claims it, are he appeared bodily which yeah. actually that is one of the claims we'll get into that yeah, later because but. like it's one thing like when i was like learning about christian it's like if he being god he could it could have been a spiritual resurrection. Yeah, it could have been a physical resurrection. And he could have made it seem like, yeah, you can touch me, you can feel me, but I'm just here in spirit. Actually, fun fact, that is an ancient heresy. Uh, uh -huh. That was one of the things I had to kind of ward off, was the idea that it wasn't a physical resurrection, it was a spiritual resurrection, but it looked like a physical resurrection. Ah, uh -huh. because that's one thing I always thought <clears throat> about, but, you know, no one ever answers those questions. Yeah, there were, there's councils that they had that, like, debated that years later. But you're not taught that in, you know, a yeah. Protestant you ask church. That, it's like, See, they don't I, care I, about I church history, he, he, it, it was generally physical. speaking. Anyway, go ahead. Is it okay if I touch on the hallucination theory? Yeah, go ahead. The only times that I have, and I've done a lot of research on hallucinations and other alter minds, there's only very, there's very few classes of things that will create extremely similar hallucinations. Mm -hmm. One class is delirious which in a delirious state of a certain i'm not going to say what it is because it's too easy to get it it's awful don't ever do it most people end up in psych wards right but the common occurrences are spiders a hat man and <clears throat> ghost figures or human-like figures that you see and you interact with Mm -hmm. Or like what, and um, then you come back and they're gone. Or with DMT people, it's either geometric shapes, aliens, or spiritual creatures. Well, I I'm talking more in like humanly forms that we see as like, hey, that's a person over there. Oh yeah, right. delirium. Yeah, and but naturally occurring, it's very rare that in a natural hallucination or release of bodily chemicals, schizophrenia any of that, that you will see a similar hallucination between two people. The only time that happens is usually in altered states of minds due to uh, out, outward chemicals being brought inbound. Yeah. So it is also probably important for me to mention that um, the video I'm referencing, his source when talking about this is a psychology textbook. So basically, he's quoting from a psychology textbook that 
people don't experience the exact same hallucination between two yeah, people and multi-sensory hallucinations. And in order for that theory to explain this piece of evidence, both of those have to have happened. And it makes it extremely unlikely because we don't have any documented cases of that It'd ever happening. It'd be another miracle. Yeah, it would, I, it would I, be I a miracle. Look at, I want to look at that psychology notebook. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I can send you the video. It's actually in yeah, the sources. Check it out some. the sources. But I can... It was, it's yeah. like a 47-minute long video or something like that. I just condensed it into this episode. But so yes. I, I took a lot of close notes. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's a thing. But, I mean, we have other claims to get to. Oh, yeah. And... Um, it's just one of those little tidbits I thought I'd add in due to my extensive research into yeah, the that's altered fine. mind. And that's another thing is you'll notice like some of these theories do account for certain pieces of evidence. They do account for certain claims, but which one's going to account for all the evidence or most of it yeah, in a plausible sense? The biggest thing is which one does the person who was speaking truly believe? Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. one thing you can't change is belief. Either believe it or you don't. You can gather more information, which you can't change it unless yeah. you're a liar. All right, so let's move on to the second claim. Uh, the second one is that Jesus appeared to skeptics after he rose again. James and his brothers, like Jude, did not follow Jesus before his crucifixion. You can see that in John 5, or sorry, John 7, 5. Paul, a.k.a. Saul, was a, jeal- a zealous Jew who killed Christians before Jesus appeared to him. Now, how do you explain these sudden 180-degree conversions? The mythic theory ignores these conversions because it was all made up. But it is unlikely that the conversion testimonies were made up because it would have been embarrassing for the early Christians to claim that their leaders, like Paul and James, once opposed the Messiah. The conspiracy theory... um, Could Paul and James have lied... If they did, you have to ask the question, why? Jesus was crucified as a criminal, which dishonored his family, and he was too poor to afford his own tomb. There was no motivation to lie about this. In that time, it was shameful to admit that Jesus actually was the Messiah, and it didn't benefit them. In fact, it later on got them killed. They didn't have the benefit of hindsight like we do today, where we see Christianity became the world's biggest religion. During this time, Christianity was just a rogue sect of Judaism. And just kind of as a sidebar, I believe that hindsight is kind of the biggest reason why this theory is popular today, because we can kind of look back and impose our modern assumptions to a time where those assumptions would have never existed. The hallucination theory, kind of like the last claim, um, when you add more hallucinations to a theory where hallucinations are the explanation. It just makes it more improbable as if it weren't already to miraculous to believe before hallucinations are more likely to happen when people are grieving, but Paul didn't grieve over Jesus's death. And then the resurrection theory, if Jesus really did rise from the dead and appear to people, it would be sufficient enough to change people's minds about him. And I will turn it over to your thoughts now. I mean, I've seen people do 180s on people for different reasons, though. Whether it's beneficial or whether they went against them. Usually it has to do with someone standing within a community, aka clout, or some sort of... But that's the thing, is it got them killed. It gets a lot of people killed every day. Have you watched rappers get killed over dumb shit? Or gang members get killed over dumb shit. I've seen people, but they had to be completely convinced. You got to be completely convinced, convinced that someone's going to be the next up and comer if you're going to catch a body for him. That's what I'm saying. And, but I do agree that hindsight really fucks up with our vision of things because it's one of my biggest things is I wasn't there. I can't really be like this is definitely what happened because. If it's not what I feel and believe, I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth and my dick in my hand and say that. But I've, I've seen a lot of people change 180s for a lot of reasons. And I've seen a couple of them get killed over it or do life in prison, which is just as bad in my book. What about you, David? Yeah, I mean, as Michael touched upon, like, 
I was work. Sorry about dog sounds, by the way. Yeah. They're cute, though. Pretty much. Because, like, from my viewpoint, it would be something I would have to witness that is something so out of my bounds. And yeah. I think the the problem there is, like, you have to kind of psychoanalyze people from the past and yeah. determine whether or not they lied. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of people to have changed yeah, their minds. And well, I mean, this is just two examples, but there were others, yeah, obviously. And it would, ha- it would take... Uh, Possibly the most of my life, as as we say, as we know, history wasn't as well documented back then. There was still good documentation, as we talked about, like Jesus existing. Mm-hmm. But it's not like there's a Twitter or a Facebook or a YouTube or a Wikipedia or even <clears throat> as organized like the Library of Congress and stuff like that. There were th- similar things, but. It was a lot harder and a lot more expensive, as we discussed earlier, to document things. Because mm-hmm. a day's worth of wages for a piece of paper. Yeah. So we're, uh, that's that's what we're kind of doing with this, is we're taking what claims we do have and what information we do have yeah. and trying to make sense of it and also adding cultural context and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah. like in my eyes, it would, because like, as you were saying, like, well, kind of what you're getting to, besides for you, probably resurrection theory, is like for me, none of them all, like, not one of them's like matching up perfectly. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds reliable. That sounds good. It's like maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's not just one answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, this still ties down to, you can see someone making good arguments for a hundred different things, but there's always going to be that one thing where if that's not reliable in your eyes, whether it is or not, mm-hmm. it's going to skew your beliefs. All but, right. Well, let's move on to claim number three. Yeah. Claim number three is that no one expected a Messiah who died and rose again for the sins of mankind. So Judaism didn't believe in a dying and rising Messiah. Instead, they expected a warrior king to bring them to the early, earthly promised land. They also didn't expect the Messiah to be God incarnate, such as, as such an idea was blasphemous to them. And they certainly didn't expect the Messiah to be someone who would get themselves killed. The idea of someone dying to atone for sins would have sounded disgusting and horrendous to the people at the time, because they were a culture that thrived on honor and status. Christianity preached to the Gentiles that they were saved by a Jewish Messiah named Jesus, who was looked down upon by Rome. He was also a carpenter, which was a very lowbrow job that was looked down upon. Cicero called it vulgar and compared it to slavery. Jesus was claimed to have been physically resurrected from the dead, which was opposed to the pagan culture at the time, which believed that death was an escape from the material universe to a higher spiritual plane. People would think at the time, why would God want to return to this? There were also moral, there were also moral restrictions placed on Christians, such as no temple prostitution or adultery, which were diametrically opposed to the pagan culture of the time where these things were the norm. Now, the conspiracy theory, the problem with asserting that this was a conspiracy is that the odds were so against Christianity from the start that no one in their right mind would have made this all up. It's too airtight, and it got many people killed. If it were a conspiracy, it would need something to appealing in order for that conspiracy to thrive and survive the test of time. But it didn't offer anything appealing to the people at the time. In fact, it was so selfless and contrary to the status quo that it got many of its followers killed. It did, however, survive the test of time. The hallucination theory doesn't explain this piece of evidence because if people hallucinated Jesus' resurrection, why did they submit to the early church authorities? Why did so many Jews, some of whom never saw the risen, risen Jesus, convert to Christianity when it was opposed to their way of life? Hallucinations generally happen to make you feel better about your life, not worse. 
The mythic theory fails for the same reason the conspiracy and hallucination theories do. Why would people follow or agree with something that was inconvenient and potentially could get them killed? And then the resurrection theory best explains this piece of evidence because this is what was taught by the early Christians. Many of these teachings were embarrassing during that time, but that should help add to its credibility because it helped Christianity survive nearly two millennia, despite the persecution. All right, I'll turn it over to you. I mean, the of, there's two things that I'm harping on. First off, can I, are, are we going to eventually branch into what Jesus did during his death? Cause my I remember some of it like, um, like where he went when he died, or like what happened when he came back, like where he went when he died. Cause that seems like some pretty warrior shit, if you ask me. I don't have anything planned on that recorded because I'm still investigating that, to be honest. Cause I was raised one thing, yeah, believing but, one thing, and then I've heard a lot of other traditions believe another thing, and that sounds way more interesting to me. I won't spoil what it is. For anyone at home try, not trying to draw lines or anything. But we can talk about that later. But to not die from what I remember, like, essentially accepting death and then bringing upon salvation, that sounds pretty fucking warrior to me. That sounds pretty badass. Yeah. Like, so they were just... Hindsight's twenty twenty though, as we were talking about. Okay, so I'll go ahead and divulge into this because it, I think it's interesting. Um, oh, so there's, shit. There's, there's two theories of of uh, what Christ's death did, essentially. Um, the number one theory is the one that we grew up with, which is something called penal substitution. Essentially, uh, Jesus was the sacrifice for us. He died for our sins, so we didn't have to, essentially. He paved the way. Then there is also um, a, a much more interesting theory, in my opinion, that I've been learning about more recently that's very prominent under orthodoxy. It's called Christus Victor. Essentially that when Jesus died, he killed death. He defeated evil. A warrior coming back to save us, you say? <laughs> yeah. So um, depending on what tradition you're looking at, some of them will say, oh, I get like, I don't think I, it was ever really explained to me growing up where they said Jesus went after he died. It was assumed he just went to heaven, I guess, is what I was kind of taught. That was never really explained. But um, the problem with that is when he returns physically, he, he tells Mary not to touch him because he hasn't returned to the father. If he hasn't returned to the father, then he hasn't gone to heaven. Yeah, see. But the filling out of that. Um, which I think is super interesting. Um, in the Old Testament, back in Old Testament times, uh, before Jesus, the idea is that anyone who died went to Sheol, which is like the old version of hell, essentially, but it's kind of like a not necessarily hell. So like the prophets were kind of in like this temporal... Um, Plane. Temporal, it's like a temporal holding cell essentially it's not like torment it's kind of like just a place to kind of hang out for whatever kind of like purgatory it's not good kinda it's not like, bad yeah i'm not really sure exactly what it is i need to look more it's into a it lobby waiting on it's some... an afterlife hobby uh, afterlife lobby but essentially take it, take under, the Christ, under the christus victor model jesus descended into hades into sheol and broke all of the old testament prophets out and went into hell and preached to the damned in hell and then returned to earth. Man. And to me, that sounds like super badass. Yeah, that sounds like some warrior. Even a warrior is not only a strong victor, but a one of self-sacrifice when you yeah. look at times. The last, a warrior's last stand, and essentially that's what happened on the cross is a last stand of without saying it but a fuck you yeah this is you this can is, kill me now but it's drawn more i'm not sure exactly where their sources are because that's not in the bible explicitly yeah. i think 
they might be drawing off of like early church fathers or maybe letters that aren't necessarily in the Bible. But I know the Orthodox believe this. I'm pretty certain Catholics believe this. And I know Presbyterians believe it as well. Um, there's probably more people that believe it. Um, but that's just never something that I was exposed to. So that's interesting, at least. I'm not swaying one way or the other, but that is at least interesting to think about. See, this is going to be fuzzy because it's been so long since I've heard anything in a church. Mm -hmm. But I remember for the long, too long didn't read version was Jesus died, went to hell, did some crazy shit to allow everyone to, you know, be able to go up to the promised land. That's essentially what I just described. Like went to the gates and like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't chew big red, fuck you. <laughs> and, and then he came back like, sup bitches? Yeah. For lack of better terms. And you went to that. That's probably where you got, you got that probably from a Methodist church though. I or. Actually, I remember talk, hearing in, about this in, in the church that we went to. Awanas. Huh. Well, shit. I think Apparently, I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember anything from we, Awanas, to None be of us really paid attention. I, I remember tidbits, like all the dumbass games they had us play. I and, just remember the uniforms. Or like the uh, the one special week where oh, we did like specific little activities and or stuff. Or having to recite Revelation. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Being like, this is fuck, dude. I'm like six. Yeah. I'm supposed to remember the whole Bible? Dude, I can't even remember my first name half the time. All right. You got any, anything else on that? On, uh... But hindsight's 2020, but even, like a final fuck you last stand is pretty warrior in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even remember my other point I was going to I make. mean, the main thing I have is like when you were talking about it would not be advantageous for them. It could get them killed. Mm -hmm. I mean, even today with certain areas of certain religions, including Christianity, if you choose to, like, some people choose in some areas to believe in Christ, become Christian, they still will face possibly even death. Or, oh, there's places in the world today that will happen. Look at the Amish. Look um, at Islam. Look I at... Mean, uh, for the more drastic case, if look you at, are a Christian in a Muslim country, you gonna be dead. Yeah. If you're Islamic in a, a white country, you're very you're possible. Live. You don't have a death warrant after you, though. If you... depending on the place you live. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, we'll we'll get into that and later. The era you live. We'll get into that. And later, also, but... I mean, look at cults. Like, there, there's nothing good about joining a cult. Nothing but persecution. But still, people fall into that for. Sometimes they're coaxed into it. Sometimes it's their beliefs. But the idea of it, even though it's not advantageous, why would they do that? It would be still a very personal thing trying to. Like they had to be convinced, though, that they yeah. saw something or, or. Or even people that, like, didn't see him that were convinced later yeah, that were Jewish. It would have to be. Because, I mean, like, that's going against your whole family. And they're an honor-shame yeah. culture. And I mean, I, as I say, even today that still happens, but it's not just about like being convinced, but being like spiritually kind of moving on to something that fits you better. All right. I mean, well, that's it, that's the other thing is we, we can't forget that this is an honor shame culture. This is yeah. not an individualistic like I'll do what I want. This is like I would dishonor my family by following this guy. Yeah. And they would Which, outcast me. Uh, it's, it's like essentially, as I say, like in the Middle East. It, it's like it's like yeah. trying to abandon Islam if you were in Turkey. Yeah, you're like you Turkey would literally a, have it. Turkey is fucked. You Real would literally have note, a death warrant after you. Side note: yeah. Fuck Turkey, just fuck Turkey. You know. Okay, <laughs> let's not for do his, that for historical reasons. I mean, but okay. yeah, not the people, the government. Fuck because the Turkish it, government. I don't okay. know exactly why someone will be convinced with any specific religion that has persecution, <clears throat> even possibly death. Yeah, but it would still be a personal choice, and convincing now or later. Yeah, and to tie it into a more modern term, for everybody at home, mm -hmm. it's like, say you're raised where we live, very white conservative area, heavily Christian, usually Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. Methodist, and you realize you're a gay boy. 
and you seem to be attracted to a non-white individual. Mm-hmm. There's nothing advantageous about that in this area. There's a good chance you're going to face persecution from your family. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't get killed. Uh, you might not. There's I mean, you might, but here's the thing. But that, at the it, end, advantageous is all if you're being true to yourself, it doesn't matter if it's advantageous. That's what I'm reaching at. So, But that's a very modern thing. It's, it's a way to paint these people just because it isn't advantageous to them doesn't mean it's not what they believe. I agree, but there's a lot of other things oh, yeah. that are against them for that time period. Yeah. So. All right, well, let's go through yeah. um, one more claim, and then we'll we'll save the rest for the next episode. Um, claim number four is that women were the ones who discovered the empty tomb. Now, the thing is, um, women held a very low social status during this time period, and their testimonies weren't even accepted in court. For example, Rabbi Eleazar once said, quote, let the words of the law be burned rather than committed to women, end quote. Women were believed to be less trustworthy and comparable to slaves. So this would have been very embarrassing for the early Christians to claim that women discovered the empty tomb. You want people to believe that a man was raised from the dead, and you claim that women, who were believed to be some of the least respected and trustworthy people in society, were the witnesses? As N.T. Wright says, it would have been like shooting themselves in the foot. Yet, it is still included in each of the four Gospels. In other words, there's no reason to believe that this was a made-up detail because back then it hurt their credibility as opposed to helping it. It's not today's culture where women succeeding is seen as triumphant. Back then it was quite the opposite. The mythic and conspiracy theory are wholly incapable of explaining this piece of evidence. The hallucination theory says that someone hallucinated that the women discovered the empty tomb. Now we've discovered we just we've discussed the odds of compounding hallucinations already, but if I'm being charitable, it is technically a possible explanation for this claim, though the odds are unspeakably slim. All four gospels claim the women discovered the empty tomb, and it would have been so embarrassing that it certainly wouldn't have helped their case. The resurrection theory, though, if the women really did discover the empty tomb, then this best accounts for this piece of evidence. And I'll turn it over to you guys for your final Christian's thoughts. Christian's the first proto-feminist? Maybe, I don't know. I don't have anything really to say about that besides, listen here, all you fucking chauvinistic, sexist pigs out there who are Christians. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Take a fucking look at this little bit of evidence right here. If you believe in the Bible, the book of God, the New Testament and the Old Testament, if you believe those are, you know, legit, legit. and Jesus came up from the fucking dead after punching death in the fucking face, (laughs) it was found by women, and you still want to be a fucking sexist, racist pig? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, um... Some traditions even go as far as to say that these women were the first disciples. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Listen here, you pigs. Bailey's dropping knowledge. I'm, I'm just saying. that's. Uh, I'm not saying whether or not I agree with that, but, I mean, that's a thing that is claimed at least, so at least you have that information. The other thing is, um, I, I think, it, at least in modern day... Uh, the way we, we, I don't know, this might be controversial, but the way we elevate women in terms of feminism is we kind of like impose masculine values on them and say that's a good thing. Like you should work more. You should do things like men would do. Look. And in reality, in my opinion, this is probably going to be political, but disclaimer, political warning. Um, I think it might. I mean, it's a good thing to empower women, definitely, but we should celebrate femininity and not force or impose masculine values on women. We should make distinctions between them and celebrate both, but acknowledge that there are differences between yeah. them. And we also need to celebrate, this may get a little political too, but feminine traits that men show, like being a good caretaker for a child, 
we need to celebrate those just as much as we celebrate anything because true feminism is about equality first yeah everyone's on the same shitty fucking level because we're all fucked yep you you want to go out into the woods chop some wood good you, you want to take care of your family and shit good you want to be a stay-at-home dad fuck it or stay-at-home husband like i'm planning to be good <laughs> Take care of your no, fur. No, Michael's baby. just trying to be like a uh, sugar, not not sugar daddy, a a, a, a gold digger. Nah, gold nah, diggers gold. don't stay in relationships this damn long. <laughs> they think someone is gonna die or they divorce. I don't want to get married, so I can't take shit. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up. Our uh, do we have any other thoughts on that specific claim? Because we we should probably wrap up for this one. Not really. I mean, given the context and the time. Yeah, unfortunately, women were not look very highly upon. And I mean, even up until like scaringly recent times, they're looked down upon in politics nowadays. I mean, yeah, no matter what side, but comparatively, they they would look even lower. Crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary. We're we're talking about like 2000 years ago. Oh, yeah, it was definitely shittier. We've made a lot of fucking progress. But they weren't, you couldn't go in court and testify as a woman. You couldn't get a bank account as a woman until 1970. (laughs) Well, they probably didn't have banks back then. No, then 2,000 years ago. They had ways to acquire and save wealth. They probably did. They didn't have, like, formalized banks like we have now. Yeah. No, in some pagan cultures, they might have had banking systems. Women controlled the finances. Yeah. Yeah. Or varied from culture to culture. And it was against, okay, I want to say Christianity at one point to gain interest on a loan, which is why other religions took over banking because they could charge interest on a loan. Huh. Which is why we get the stereotypes we do today. Huh. Medieval times. Yeah. Well, history. Well, um, I hate to cut it short. We have a couple more claims to go through, but we're going to cover those in the next episode. Along with the lizard people. I guess. Sure. So we're going to wrap that up next time. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week when we wrap up this discussion. It's going to be great. You got any other thoughts before we say goodbye? Say la vie? I'm just imagining Jesus going down the hill. Yeah, fuck you. Just beating the shit out of the devil. Dude, I got to show you some artwork. There's like some really cool artwork of him like standing on the gates of hell and letting people out of hell, essentially. Is it like medieval or Renaissance period? Yeah, it's like Ooh, th- those are always. It's like not super realistic. It's like yeah. prior. What was the Renaissance is the realistic stuff, right? Yeah. So Med- it's medieval like, is like the weird stuff, like snap. It's not medieval. Giant. Medieval it's... artwork's cool though. Yeah. Anyway, love me some weird old art. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap this up next time. So thanks for listening. See you guys next time. See y'all next time. Goodbye.